If you are just joining us, we've been doing a series called The Stories Before the New Testament. Uh, oftentimes we, we focus on just the New Testament and we forget all of these amazing stories, these wonderful stories that came before. And there's so much that we can learn from these stories as well. They're so rich in history and stories and power and uh, challenge and all of that kind of stuff. And what we have been uh, talking about in the last, just started last week, was Moses. Catch up just a, just a, a real quickly. Moses, well, he was a guy in the Old Testament, but uh, Moses, the, where we talked about last week was that the, the, the people, the Hebrew people, were living in uh, Egypt, and they were uh, a, a strong population of people, and the Pharaoh saw them as a threat. Why did he see them as a threat? Because they were different, because they weren't of his race, because they weren't of his, uh, his people. And so he saw them as a threat, and he wanted to basically uh, control the population. He did not want to get rid of them because he was able to use them harshly. He was able to use them as laborers, and he was able to use them as slaves. But he did not want to get them out of control because he knew that they were a powerful and smart, intelligent people, and he knew that if they continued to grow, his fear was they were going to annihilate him. So he sets out this rule, this law, where he tells people that if anyone, if any Hebrew gives birth to a male child, you know, this puts it in perspective, we just, we just baptized a male child. In this story, the, the Pharaoh gives the order that anybody that gives birth to a male child, that male child has to be put to death. Now imagine that. That's his age. That's a harsh reality. That's a terrifying thing that the people of the, the Hebrew uh, culture were now facing. If you gave birth, which is a beautiful thing, it's a wonderful thing to, to, to have a family, but if you gave birth to a male, you couldn't enjoy that. And it was faced with tragedy. A, a, a birth was a death sentence. And it happened to one couple. They were uh, people that were a loving couple, and they gave birth to a male child. And they were horrified because they knew what was going to be happening. They knew that their fate had uh, just everything against it. But they couldn't, well, what would you do? You'd try everything you could to hang on to that child, wouldn't you? And that's what they did. The mother of this child took the child and be, not knowing exactly what to do yet, not knowing exactly uh, how to handle it, the, the mother said, okay, I've, I've got to think about this now. And, and just after birth, put the child in, in, a, in, a, in a basket. And along the, 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 the river, the Nile, there were uh, reeds, which were, you know, kind of uh, vegetation, tall vegetation, but you can, you can hide things there sometimes. A lot of times animals will hide in there and things like that. They'll, they'll hide for safety. And so she puts the baby into the reeds. And imagine this, you're a mother. And this is your only option right now, is let, live or die and you don't even know what the next thing you're going to do is, but all you know is 
out of panic, out of, out of, out of desperation, you, you put the child among the reeves and you have, to, you have to walk away from that. I can't imagine that. I, I, have, I have a son myself. Um, he's he's going to be 26. He won't fit in a basket anymore. But uh, I can't imagine moments after he was born to uh, have to hide him for his own safety. But that was the reality that the Hebrew people were living in. That was the reality that they had. And... It was a harsh thing because people were looking for these children. The, by order of the Pharaoh, there were people that were, that were looking for these children. If they saw a male, they would kill it. On the other side of the, near the Nile, the Pharaoh's daughter was coming down to the river to, to bathe. And We'll, we'll read a little bit of that, Exodus 22, 5 through 6. It says, The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. While her attendants walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying, and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Now, we have heard the story of Moses before. I'm, I'm sure that many of us have heard the story of Moses before. We've grown up with it. And the thing that we hear all the time is the, the focus is on Moses. But I really want us to focus on some other things. I, I like to, and I've been accused of this before, uh, taking the stories and giving it just a, a different angle. A different look. Like we're going we're gonna to take a focus on another camera here. And the thing that I want us to focus on is the Pharaoh's daughter now. Because the Pharaoh's daughter is grown up in a place where it is uh, a luxurious existence. She has everything that she wants. In, she doesn't even have to bathe herself. She has attendants that bathe her. She has everything. She lives in a, in a time of comfort and a time of great power. She also lives in a time where there are laws. And as the Pharaoh's daughter, she has to obey those laws. But one thing that's interesting about this line is it said that she saw that child and she took pity on that child knowing that she was breaking every law in the land, knowing that she herself could be putting herself in jeopardy or danger by going against the Pharaoh, going against her own father, she asked her attendants to bring the child. And what they didn't know is that a young girl, the actual sister of Moses, had been watching them the entire time because she was curious. She wanted to make sure that the child was okay. And she sees this happening, and she goes up to the Pharaoh's daughter, and she says, do you need, do you need somebody to, to, to help nurse this child? And she says, yes, do you know anybody? And the daughter says, I think I can find somebody. 
And so the Pharaoh's daughter says, take the child and, and, and nurse him and, and then bring him back to me. And so the daughter is able to take Moses, who the Pharaoh's daughter has named Moses, because it means among the reeds. She's able to take her, take Moses to Moses' mother. And Moses' mother is able to nurse the child. Now, we are still in a time where it is very dangerous. We are still in a time where that child is supposed to die. But because of the Pharaoh's daughter giving permission to the mother of Moses, she is able to nurse that child. Now, as soon as that child is weaned off, that child had to go back to the Pharaoh's daughter. Now the Pharaoh's daughter knew that because of the circumstance and because of the culture, because of the laws of this time, the harsh laws, she couldn't just say, give that child back to the daughter or to the mother. She couldn't say that because she knew that that child would die. What she did know is that if she cared for Moses herself, Moses would live. Imagine being somebody in your life where have you ever had people in your life that have gone against the grain for the better good? I, I look out here and I see uh, strong people. I see a teacher. I see a former teacher. I, I see people that have, uh, that have supported themselves. I see people that have looked out for other people. I have seen people that have gone against the grain to make sure that what they're doing is the right thing. And sometimes doing the right thing does mean going against what is considered the way it is. So many times we hear that's the way it is. That's the way it is. It's, you've got a law here. You have to obey it. You, it this is our, what we believe. This is what we think. If you go against that, you are going to be an outcast. And that's exactly the thing that the Pharaoh's daughter risked. Because to her, the most important thing at that moment was not the luxury of her uh, time in the kingdom. It was not the law of the land. It was not hating or fearing the Hebrews. Her focus was that there was a child in need. And so what she did is she broke the law. She broke the law of the land. She broke the law of her, her parents. She broke every norm possible. And for the next up to 20 30 years, she raised that child as her own. She saved Moses' life because she had the bravery to step outside the norm and say, this is incorrect. This isn't right. So many times today, what, I, what we see when we look at... Uh, it's, it's funny that it's raining outside because you look outside and it's gray. But we live in a world that wants us to think in black and white. We want you to think this way or we want you to think this way. You're either on this side or you're on this side. If you're on this side, then you have to agree with everybody that's on this side. And if you're on this side, then you have to agree with everybody that's on this side. 
And very few people cross the border and go on to the other side or agree with the other person on that side. What we're job, our job is to do is to sit over here and strengthen our side by hating and demoralizing that side. It can be politics, it can be race, it can be lifestyle, whatever the case may be. We think that we are told what to think, what to act. We look at the time of Moses and we look at these Egyptians that are calling out the rules and people are having to live by it and they're having to live repressed by this and we don't look at the own situation that we are living in right here today where we, look, we turn on the news and it tells you you have to think a certain way, you have to follow this line, and we get addicted to watching a certain news channel, just that one news channel, and we just don't watch anything else because this news channel tells us we're not supposed to watch anything else. We start to look at our Facebook ads, we start to look at the social media posts, and we get to where we just uh, agree and like the things that we're told to like, and then those algorithms sent us more stuff that we're supposed to agree and like to, and it keeps us further and further away from thinking about something else. It gets us further and further away of thinking for ourselves. And we have lost the ability now to make up our own mind or to look at things in an objective view. Whatever politics we, 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 we follow, we've seen this happen to where if you are on this side and a politician says something, you will hail that politician. You'll agree with everything they say. And the funny thing is, is that four to eight years later, the politician on the other side is now in charge and they'll say the same thing. But because they're the ones that are saying it, you hate them because of that. And you mock them because of that, because they said the same thing that you said, but they were on that side, so now it's not okay that they said it. It's the most confusing time in the world. No wonder people have to run over to the news station and say, what am I supposed to think about this? Because they're saying the same thing that they said that just four years ago. But now that they said it, now it's wrong. And we're used to jumping in line and being told how to think. And we have polarized ourselves. And we have separated ourselves. And family members are arguing against family members. And people are not talking to other people. And we have lost our ability to think anymore. Now to me, that's not much different than living in a world under someone like a pharaoh, where they tell you how your reaction is supposed to be, what your reaction is supposed to be, where you're supposed to go, what you're supposed to do, and furthermore, who you're supposed to hate. Do we have the courage in this time, in this day and age, to look at that world outside and say, it's not as black and white as we think. There is gray in this world, and you know what? Right now, it looks gloomy, but in most parts, gray is a pretty beautiful color. Because you know what gray allows us to do? is It allows us to see possibilities, and it allows us to look for neighbors on both sides. It allows us to stand up for things that we feel is right. And how do we judge what we feel is right? If we call ourselves Christians... If we call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, then we have to look at the things that Jesus did 
Well, Jesus welcomed children. And he actually said, be more like them. He fed people who were hungry. He didn't look on the mound and say, well, they should have planned ahead. They should have brought something. Lazy. He just blessed the food and he gave it to them. Anybody that he walked by that said, Jesus, Jesus, he went to and he welcomed. Anybody that wanted to be healed, he healed because he knew that by healing them, it was symbolic of welcoming them into the kingdom of heaven. Opening the doors. And remember, he's the one that said, love your neighbor. Love each other as I have loved you. So if that's who we follow, does that challenge us no matter what side we are on? Does that challenge some of the thoughts and some of the ways that we are supposed to think? Because oftentimes we are propelled and we even think it's righteous now and noble. We actually think it's noble to fight a cause just by hating somebody else. When Christ taught us so many times that we can fight a cause... We can fight a cause without hatred. That the key to fighting a cause is through love. Is through love. That's the challenge. That's the thing that we have to uh, think about all the time. When we see that post, when we watch that news station that's making fun of all these people or looking bad at other people and all of this kind of stuff, we have to ask ourselves, is this love? Is this Christ or is this hatred? And am I supposed to take a stand for Christ? And if I am supposed to take a stand for Christ, then there are times when both sides are wrong. There are times when it isn't black and white. There are times when it is a beautiful gray. You know, this month is um, Women's History Month. I uh, encourage you to study up on that a little bit. You know, there's some wonderful sites. Actually, all you have to do is Google, uh, you know, like, um, uh, women who have changed history. I found a, a, you know, a, a remarkable, you know, there was actually a woman uh, in the days of Paul Revere, that was younger than him and rode farther than him? Where she mentioned that? There's some others here too. That This is Corrie ten Bloom. She was uh, in the Netherlands and during World War II. She, she wasn't Jewish, but she saw uh, people being persecuted. She, she was a, a, a watchmaker. Do you know that she was actually the first certified watchmaker in the Netherlands, female certified watchmaker in the Netherlands? She could have rode that. They had this nice shop, uh, this watch shop, and, and upstairs is where they lived. She could have, she was fine. She was not Jewish, so they weren't being persecuted. That was her comfort, just like the Pharaoh's daughter. Could have been just so comfortable if she just would have mined her way and did what she was supposed to do. But she saw something wrong. And she had this thing that uh, I, I really encourage us all to have, and it's called compassion. Compassion allows us to think outside of ourselves and to think of other people and to see people we don't know as neighbors. 
And she had that, and she saw that people were being persecuted. And so what she's pointing at, this is a hiding place. They turned their upstairs home into a place where people could find refuge and people could be safe. And it's one thing to say, uh, I will do this as long as I don't have to be. I'll fight that cause. I'll send that check. I'll do all that kind of, I'll hit like on the Facebook page or whatever, but I don't want to be uncomfortable. She was arrested and she was put into a concentration camp. Her and her sister and her father. Her father died there. Her sister died. They chose the consequences. They chose the, the danger they chose to still do the right thing even if it wasn't going to be comfortable. They chose the gray. They knew that something was wrong. And even the time when they were in the concentration camp, they had smuggled in a Bible. And they would have Bible meetings in secret in the concentration camp. And she still, to her dying day, promoted forgiveness and love. Why? Because that's what Jesus tells her to. Now that was something that was taken with harsh criticism too because we were supposed to hate and they were supposed to hate and she was saying that I've been there and I'm still going to promote love. Here's another one. Harriet Beecher Stowe. She lived in Connecticut. Safe place. Place that was... Uh, uh, there, she, she was, um, when it came to uh, uh, the time of slavery, she was on the no slavery side. But she saw people being treated horribly, horrendously. And she knew that there were some things that she couldn't do and there were some things that she could do. And one of the things that she could do is she could write. She was a very gifted writer. And so what she wrote, her Christian heart saw people being persecuted, people being treated poorly. And she wrote a book called Uncle Tom's Cabin. A book that uh, Abraham Lincoln himself says was responsible for turning things around, the, the opinion of slavery around, and which what led to the Civil War. As a matter of fact, Abraham Lincoln actually met her and said, so you're the one that wrote the book that started this war. She could have sat comfortably where she was. She could have ignored things around her. She could have picked a side, but what she picked was the fact that people were being harmed and hurt, and she had to do something about it. A lot of us, we can, we can sit on our hands we can stand and say, isn't that a shame? That is a shame. Boy, when are people going to change? When is somebody going to do something about this? These folks were those somebodies. I think we all know who Rosa Parks is. There's a, there's a highway named after her here in Lincoln. She knew that people were being treated unfairly. She knew that it was, uh, she lived in a, a segregated community. And what she chose to do was to stay seated. 
in a time where people of color had to give up their seats for people that were white. She stayed, stayed seated. She got arrested for it. But she knew that what she was doing was to help other people, to help other people that were facing times where, that were unfair. She could have sat comfortably. She could have just moved to the back of the bus, but she took a stand. This is Elizabeth Eckford. 1955, I think, 57, I think, uh, one of her schools became unsegregated. And she was uh, one of just a small handful of students that dared to be the first to cross that line and go into a school that just the day before they were unwelcome in. You can see from the photos, uh, they faced harsh ridicule from their own students. So harsh that there were a time when the National Guard had to actually help them and protect them so that they could get in. But what they, see, once the news was reported, you know, the story kind of faded. But what you didn't realize is that she still had to remain a student in that school. And during her time in that first year, it was horrible. She was made fun of. She was bullied. She was spat upon daily. Daily. But she knew, even as a teenager, she knew that she was making a difference. She knew that she was making a difference. You know, this is, like I said, Women's History Month. If you want to read a book, uh, The Worst First Day. She wrote this for children. And it talks about this, the things that she had to endure. Like, uh, she could have seen things and just stayed, well, I'm just going to stay in this school because it's safe and it's comfortable. Let somebody else fight that battle. She was the one that chose to fight that battle. Today we have uh, Christian leaders. Christian leaders that are still fighting battles. This is Jen Hatmaker. She is a uh, Christian uh, author. Uh, she uh, is, uh, has uh, written a lot of things. Actually, we've done, uh, I think, I believe, a study um, on some, uh, some things that she has written. Her daughter came to her and said, um, I'm gay. That's not what you're supposed to say in, 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 in the southern church that she belonged to. But she stood up for her daughter. She stood up for her daughter. She opened her eyes. She went from black and white to gray. It's amazing how opinions change on certain things when it really directly affects us. It's, it's one thing to uh, step outside of us. It's another thing when it, something hits close to home. She's been ostracized by uh, m many of the people that followed her. Uh, the day that she came out in support of her daughter, she lost a lot. People started throwing her books away. Uh, people started being very harsh to her online. People started being just downright mean to her. 
She knew that it was going to be uncomfortable. She knew that there were going to be consequences for the decisions she made. But she follows, she follows a Savior who says love. And she took that risk and she's still taking it today, proudly, proudly. And then we have Beth Moore. Beth Moore has been around for a long time. A lot of people in many churches have done studies that Beth Moore has led. She has been a, uh, a monument in women's uh, faith um, conferences. She's traveled the world. Last year, she, she spoke out against, um, well, she spoke out against President Trump. Uh, she didn't agree. Uh, she is, uh, was a Southern Baptist, and the community that she was in, a big community, the people that uh, she had book deals, million-dollar book deals, all this kind of stuff, and uh, they were all uh, on the, uh, what they would call the Trump train. For her, she didn't agree with some of the things that she was seeing. And she could have been quiet. She could have stayed her peace, just continued to sell the books, not talked about it. But she decided to say, I've got, I've got to speak about this. Uh, I feel that this is wrong. I feel that this is not right. And she would say, I, I feel that this is, this is not, the, this is, to me, this is not Christ. This is not the way that we're supposed to be acting. She's continued to lose book deals. Uh, she's continued to be ostracized. Uh, she had people from her own congregation say as a woman she shouldn't even be speaking. <laughs> what age are we in? Do we have the bravery to speak our opinion? Do we have a bravery that even if we are in a surrounding of this side, do we have a bra the bravery to step out of either side and say this is just this is what I feel God is telling me. She's lost a lot. Many of these women have lost a lot. But boy, did they gain a ton. Because they get to go to bed at night knowing that they did the right thing. Knowing that they did what God was telling them. They knew that they were speaking to their heart. They knew that they were being their honest self. If you ever have trouble sleeping, one of the best ways to get sleep is know that you spent that day being your honest self. The Pharaoh's daughter was her honest self. And we're going to find that that leads to Moses, that leads to the freedom of the Hebrew people. That leads to Christianity itself. Because one woman went against the grain, went against the comfort, went against the black and white, and did the right thing. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, Help us to shut off the voices around us. Help us to not be told what to think, what to feel, who to hate. Help us just listen to you. 
Help us to listen to our hearts. Help us to form our own opinions and help us not to be spreaders of hatred. Help us not to be spreaders of bullying. Help us not to be encouraged by harming other people. Help us to learn a different way. Help us to learn to love everybody, including ourselves. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. My challenge for us this week is to try to shut out some of the voices that are telling us the way that we are supposed to think or the way we're supposed to feel, the way we're supposed to, who we're supposed to hate. My challenge for us this, this week is to think about Christ. Christ that opened the door to the kingdom of heaven for everybody. That answered the call for everybody. That was there for everybody and that tells us to love. How can we live in the gray? And do we have the courage to stand up and do the right thing? Do we have that courage? I see Declan there. Thank you for uh, bringing Declan today. Uh, Declan will be a year in, in, in a week? Next Tuesday. Help us to create, may we all help to create a world where when Declan grows up, he doesn't have to worry about what side he's on, what team he's on. Help us to create a world where Declan can grow up and see everyone as his neighbor, everyone as his friend, everyone as a member of the kingdom of God. Love God, love yourself, love your neighbor. Amen.